The N-OLED display in the Cadillac Escalade has 38 total diagonal inches of color display. So why do we give it a curve too? I guess you could say we like to bend the rules. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving. The N-OLED display in the Cadillac Escalade has 38 total diagonal inches of color display. So why do we give it a curve too? I guess you could say we like to bend the rules. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving. Thanks for listening to Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast, keeping you up to date with the latest in American soccer. And don't forget to subscribe. My name is Steven Jodron. Welcome to Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast. Joining me, as always, are Monica Fai and Jake Watroba. This week, we chat MLS transfers, FC Cincinnati with Charlie Hatch, and we do this year's first edition of the Counterattack with Jake Watroba. Please make sure you follow the show on Twitter, Uncle Sam's Soccer Pod. There you can get the latest news, information, and everything you need to know about the show. And if you are listening through any of those podcast apps, go ahead and hit the subscription button wherever that is, and give us a five-star rating because we are the best soccer podcast out there. Now, let's get to today's show. Well, Jake, you and I survived the polar vortex. How fantastic was that? Oh, it was great. Although, I did take a look at the forecast. It's going to snow... five out of the next seven days so <laughs> I, I don't know i think i might i think i might want that uh, 50 below zero windshield back instead of dealing with snow for the next week there you go and uh, armand you are sick once again i'm uh I feel like i'm always sick so here i am sick again yeah, I played uh, 90 minutes of soccer on Friday, and uh, I guess my body was like, it's a terrible idea, Armand, don't do that again, because I'm feeling sick again, but the caveat to this is, I've watched a lot of A-League recently, because I haven't been able to sleep until 2am, so lots of uh, Brisbane, uh, Roar, where their name is, and uh, Melbourne City. That's oh, funny uh, you mentioned that, Armand, because I, I also took in uh, an obscure league yesterday morning. I, I watched the Indian Super League. Oh, FC Poon City? Uh, it's Pune. Oh, Pune uh, I, I came to find out, disappointingly, I came to find out it was Pune and not <laughs> FC Pune City. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, they, uh, sh- I think it was FC Chennai or something like that versus uh, Pune City. So uh, the, the the Poons came up uh, out on top. So Wait, Pune or Pune? It's Pune, but we're going to keep it Pune. Okay. Yeah, we're going to keep it Pune. There you go. Well, listeners, uh, I know... A lot of you paid attention to the U.S. men's national team. They took on Costa Rica. They won 2-0 Saturday. Now, here is our 30-second abbreviated chat. Oh, geez. Okay. Um, nice performance. Good goals. Nick Lima looks good. Uh, go USA. They have uh, clarity with Greg Berhalter at the helm. I really didn't care that much. All right, there you go. And the reason why I, I made Armand do that on the spot is go listen to last week's episode. We do get in-depth 
with Joseph Lowry about the U.S. men's national team and these friendlies. Now, let's get to MLS transfers because that really took the leading charge this past week in U.S. soccer. You guys surprised with the moves that were made this past week? Uh, I, yes. I mean, yeah, I, I 100% was surprised because there was like some moves out of left field where you're sitting there like, oh, like, why is this happening? And there's other moves that happened. You're like, oh, finally this happened. I mean, so many, it, it was a big selling and a big, I think, I don't know if turning point is the right word, but it was a strong trend for MLS in the transfer window in terms of selling their pieces. Uh, there were some moves that didn't really surprise me. Obviously, Miguel Almiron leaving for Newcastle. Castle shouldn't surprise anybody. Uh, Sebastian uh, Javinko leaving for Al Hilal. Did I say that right? Yeah, uh, Al Hilal. Come on, uh, you got to throw your accent in there. That didn't really surprise me. However, the almost transfer of Luciano Acosta from DC United that was that was kind of out of left field. I know we were all kind of taken aback by that, just because no one had really heard of Acosta being moved or DC looking to move him. And the fact that he was almost went to PSG was just as surprising too. Yeah. So let's talk about Miguel Almarone's move to Newcastle, obviously shattering the previous MLS transfer fee record upwards of 26, $27 million, depending on which report you read Almarone in 2017 guys, 31 matches, nine goals and eight assists in 2018 with his run with Atlanta United to MLS Cup. 37 matches, 13 goals, and 11 assists. Almarone, $27 million, doubles Alfonso Davies' move of 13 mil, which could actually rise to 22 after add-ons. Josie Altador, 10 mil. Jack Harrison, 6 mil. And Matt Miazga, 5 mil. Isn't it insane that we finally have a player leave MLS for a hefty fee versus, you know, five or six million dollars when that's just chump change in today's transfer market. Or like one million. Like we like, like oh like oh we'll sell you for five hundred K it's like one million. Twenty seven million. I, I didn't think I didn't think that uh Atlanta would get that much because Atlanta had no leverage. You you already signed his replacement. You have to be roster compliant. You have no leverage basically in a situation. Newcastle would be like, okay, we'll give you can lowball you and you have to accept it because what are you gonna do? But I guess they really—they were like, "Hey, we'll get—we we could get rid of Barco and send them on loan if we really need to." And Newcastle's like, "All right, fine. Like, yeah, I guess we don't have the leverage anymore, so we'll splurge and get Al, Al Marone. I'm interested to see how he'll do because Jake insists that he'll be in the championship next year. But I mean, we'll see if, if they have performances like it did against City midweek. Uh, I, I don't know if we're talking the same thing. I'm not a Newcastle uh, expert by any means. As a matter of fact, I don't even know where they are on the table, actually. I know there's from like there's like five or six points separating, was it like 13th place from uh, 18th place or whatever. It sounds like Fulham and Huddersfield are already relegated, basically. Um, but I, I, I'm kind of confused <clears throat> as to how he's going to actually perform at Newcastle, given that they're fighting off relegation and Amiron comes from a club that was basically – running circles around teams in MLS. And now he's going to go play for a Newcastle team that is probably going to concede 70%, you know, 60 to 70% of possession every, every match. And I'm going to be curious to know how that, or how he's going to, going to play in a system like that. That's a great point, Jake. 
I haven't thought about that. Wonderful. Wonderful point, actually. Kind of leads into Benitez's comments here, talking to uh, Sky Sports about the price tag. Quote, it means that we realized that we needed something in this position. Obviously, the offensive players are more expensive. We've been talking about a number 10 for a while, and it's a position that if we bring in someone, it has to be expensive. Now, clearly, I think he's taking a shot at the cheap ownership of Newcastle here, but they spent the money. And if you read further along, quote, but the main thing for me is to forget about the money. We are happy with Almiron, question mark. Hopefully, we will be happy. He has a potential pace, work rate, and ability to help the team and do something that we didn't have before. There's a lot of weight on this sh- on the shoulders of Miguel Almiron. Fair to say, right? The way Benitez is talking here, price tag, being expensive, playing the number 10 role, talking about his pace, work rate, ability, and the fact that, as Jake just alluded to, they're in a rele- uh, relegation battle. You know, with Al- with Almiron, though, I mean, when you watch Atlanta play, he could break w- within the instant. If they play counterattacking football, he's the ability he has with his pace and you know his pace on the ball too. This guy is so quick; he can break on an instant and you know lead a counterattack with some offensive creativity. And I don't think that's something Newcastle has had. Um, you know, watching like the three games Let- I've watched Newcastle play. Hey, let me let me jump in here real quick. Then, when you talk about he can hit with his pace and uh, everything, he can hit teams in the counter attack. D- can Miguel Almiron play defense? I mean, let's be real. Newcastle's probably playing what nine, ten men behind the ball at all times. Is he going to be able to be able to, you know, chase down uh, players with the ball? You know, uh, what I mean his work rate? Jake? In the midf- What's that? Yeah, his work rate. Like, I mean, if you remember, uh, Tata Martino's system was really demanding. In terms of he wanted the press, and he in Almiron would would if I remember correctly. Remember this is like you know two months after the MLS season ended, so I'm using my memory right here. The you know he would drop back at least into the midfield and at least a little deeper to you know try to retrieve the ball and go from there. Because I mean Tata Martino's system was really just a pressing system that required everyone to put in you know maximum effort, uh, no matter what. I mean I think he can, but I, I also mean, would expect that Benitez would make some sort of adjustment. Uh, in terms of how the team plays, you know, especially when you're going to fit in a $27 million signing. I mean, here, here's my thing. It, it's one thing, you know, to chase down an opposing player when you're playing Orlando City, right? That's great. Great. Or Al- Miguel Amaron can do that. He's He can be disruptive in the midfield. It's another thing, though, when you're playing against Liverpool and you have to... I don't even know who's in Liverpool's midfield. Keita Nagby, is he, is he the... <laughs> the number 10 there. I mean, like, but you know what I'm saying? Like, it's 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 one thing to chase down an opposing player on, on Orlando City F, or Orlando City and then, you know, go and do it against Liverpool, too. And that's going to be the big question mark for me uh, as it pertains to Miguel Amiron. Can he can he make a big enough impact on Newcastle? And I, I to be I, I, I'm, I'm unsure. I'm unsure on it, to be quite honest. Newcastle are in 15th, Jake, two points clear of the drop on uh, sitting on 24 points. Uh but let's talk about the MLS angle here. Atlanta United president Darren Eels, quote, I think we can say after this transfer window, if you're a young player and you're a club in MLS trying to attract a player coming to the prime of his career, you're, you're able to point to Miguel Almiron or Afonso Davies and now say, look, you can come to this league and actually get noticed 
and moved on to top clubs and top leagues in the world. Guys, do we agree with this comment? I would say yes. I mean, with all, all the moves made, I mean, look, you're going to be a special talent no matter what. But with all the moves made, I mean, what? I guess there are Dow's quota for his podcast. But, I mean, Chris Richards moved without playing a single game for FC Dallas. Like, he didn't have to play a single game, and he moved on to a top team like Bayern Munich. You see Alfonso Davies moving also to Bayern Munich. You see all these young Americans, you know, getting snatched up from academies and stuff like that. Um, I, I feel like if you do, you know, if you do well in MLS, this is a huge, you know, mark, uh, I guess, stamp of approval from other leagues saying, hey, we're watching. I, I think, honestly, I know we're going to get this a little bit later, the Luciano Acosta move would have been even bigger for this. I mean, it, it fell apart. It would have been even bigger that, hey, like, you know, other teams are legitimately watching you uh, week in and week out as maybe in, uh, as, an, as a reinforcement for the team. And that fee is $27 million. I mean, look, that's not, that's not a small, you know, fee. That's a big investment for a side like Newcastle uh, to put into their team. So, I mean, I, I agree with what you was saying. It's, hey, look, come to MLS. Come show out. And if you show out, you could be gone for a nice side. You could be gone to... A, t- a team in the top leagues in Europe. Uh, yes and no. I, I I agree with it to a certain extent. I think this is a good start. I don't think Miguel Miguel Amiron or Alfonso Davies leaving for Bayern Munich and Newcastle United, respectively, signals now that MLS is now all of a sudden this stepping stone to get to Europe. Now, come on, come on, all you Argentinians, come on, all you Colombians, uh, Paraguayans, come on up to MLS. We'll get you over to Europe in a couple of years. I don't think that's what this means yet. I think you can, judging by how the Luciano Acosta transfer played out, we I don't really know what happened there. If that was, we've kind of heard conflicting reports, you know, where DC United kind of, there, there, there was the difference of $1.5 million there. There was that report. There was the other report where PSG kind of, it sounded like they just walked away. Um, I don't I don't necessarily think that this is now the, 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 the tip of the iceberg now where MLS is going to just start becoming this league where young South Americans or just young players in general come to, uh, you know, play a year or two and then get on over to Europe. I don't think that's, I don't think we're there yet. I think we still need to see moves like this before we can say MLS has now become a seller's league and a league that is, has become a stepping stone for young talent. I know it's a little too soon to tell. I think it's one player. We, we need to see a little bit more. It's the first domino to fall down. It's like David Beckham coming as a DP. Now let's see what follows. Will more players come along? Now this is, I think, a, a, an interesting fact. Five years ago, the average newcomer age in MLS was 27 and a half years old. Now, uh, doesn't include draft picks or development academy players. Is 25.24, so you know, 25 and a quarter years old. So, and and this is coming from uh, ESPN. Com. It's a fantastic s- statistic. They're showing that MLS is growing into this youth moment just before they hit their prime, which gives them the opportunity to make the move. Now, if you're an ownership group, Armand or Jake, does this allow owners to realize, hmm, maybe we should go this route and try to see if we can invest and get a better uh, return on it once they grow one or two years here in the league and then you sell them off for twice the price that we paid for originally? No, uh, I, I don't I don't think so because you have to look into how much they actually do get. Um, I don't know numbers off the top of my head, but I do know that 
MLS takes three, uh, you get three fourths of the fee, while MLS takes error twenty five, and then only a specific amount goes towards general allocation money, while the rest of the money, you know, goes towards other, you know, just development of the of the facilities and stuff like that. I again, I think the incentive is there for one to continue to invest in academies and not necessarily uh, going after big name players like or developing players from Argentina. I mean, we do see that, you know, that Atlanta especially has gone for Pity Martinez with these sizable fees. But if you're the common MLS owner that's not that doesn't have the checkbook of Arthur Blank, you'd rather invest in your academy because you get 100% of those fees compared to getting 75%. And you that 25% could be used, you know, towards again, you know, building a, a second team or a reserve team. I think they said DeAndre Yedlin's uh, fee for the Sounders to help make Sounders too. Uh, this is just off the top of my head. So you have all these things. I would much rather invest in my academy if I am a common MLS owner uh, than go after a player like a Miguel Amarone. Ra- rather would see academy players come up and, you know, be an Alfonso Davies. You get to keep all that fee compared to only getting a certain percentage of it. I agree with Armand. I think it's it's a little bit of risky business to buy players from South America and think that you can, in a year or two, flip them for a profit. I think teams are better off investing in their uh, academies and growing their young American talent and then flipping them over to uh, you know Germany or England or, or wherever. I, 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 I think that while Miguel Miron was a nice story and they were able to flip them for a profit, I mean, let's be real here. I mean, they could have bought. I mean, it, it could have just been. It could have been just as bad for Atlanta, though, too. They could have invested in Miguel Miron. He didn't pan out, and then all of a sudden, you're sunk. You have, you have a sunk cost there, and it, it 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 it's a risky bit of business if you think you can buy somebody and then develop them and sell them off for even more than you paid for. You're better off just developing your academy products and, and flipping them. But let's talk about some other moves quickly. After scoring 68 goals in 144 appearances. Sebastian Giovinco is headed to the Middle East to a club I can't pronounce, Al Hilal. Al Hilal. Hilal in of Saudi Arabia for two, two, two and a half, three million bucks. Although Giovinco does slam TFC in an Instagram post where he talked about wanting to renew his contract. He's tried. Guys, this is kind of a strange situation. You know, it it, it is. Uh, and my my thoughts on it, I, I felt like this was coming. Uh, you know, your your core of Giovinco, Altador, and Bradley is aging and aging really quick. Do you really want to sign Giovinco to uh, a monster deal uh, like he's probably expecting and demanding? And I think Ali Curtis has also came out and said, saying, hey, we offered him a deal to make him one of the highest paid in MLS. Well, that's cool and all, but I know from what we've heard, these these Middle Eastern clubs in the UAE – uh, Saudi and Qatar, they do offer lots of, I guess, uh, post uh, post playing incentives as well. You know, such as security and you know lots of money uh, after you after you play as well. Look, I think Javinko said it's kind of spit it. I mean, it's kind of like the whole Porzingis thing. Um, you know, in the NBA, you kind of want to spin it and make sure it's 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 in your favor. That you know you you don't look like the bad guy. The other guys are like the bad guy because I feel like a lot of people are ripping TFC now. Uh, for uh, what what they're doing, but I mean I think the writing was on the wall, and you know what he's a great player and was a fantastic one, but I, I think it was time to move on to be honest with you. 
Yeah, I agree. He's getting old. He can't be forking over tons of money to an aging star. And like you said, Josie Altador, Michael Bradley, that core feels like it's getting older for TFC. And it kind of showed last year as they didn't make the playoffs. And as our Steven Jodoran has alluded to me through text messages, they will not make the playoffs this year. Don't worry, everybody. I wrote that down so we can come back to that come uh, October, November. But no, this just, yeah, he had, it, it, it was time. It was time for him to leave the club. It was time for him to get out of MLS. He, uh, <clears throat> Great player in the league, uh, probably the best player to ever play in MLS. So um, unfortunate that there's this, you know, there's this little clash of he said, she said thing going on here with Javinko and the club. But uh, I mean, TFC, they had to get rid of him. He it, it, it was time. Yeah, I, I, I agree, Jake. I mean, it's do you guys know just... how old Sebastian Giovinco really is? What is this like? 32, born, yeah. 32, unless he was born in like the Dominican Republic where they don't have like birth certificates and stuff like that. Well, he's 32 years old. Like, <laughs> so we do know. <laughs> so you do know. But how are you guys calling him old at 32? 32 is not particularly all that old. Hey, man, MLS has become one of the best leagues in the world. You know, uh, 32 is getting The average old. age we... is 25, uh, 20, uh, 25 and 24. I don't know. No, no, that's I not mean, the we're... average age, Armand. That is that is totally you misreading that statistic. We're becoming, yep. you know, the league's becoming a seller's league now. We, okay. we just, okay. this isn't a retirement league, you know. All right, we'll talk yep. about selling league. What happened to Acosta, Armand, with DC United? Yeah, so this is from The Athletic, from Pablo Maurer. Um, basically I'm paraphrasing what happened. Uh, we all were, you know, on Twitter. Uh, I think it was, I want to say like a f- Thursday or Wednesday night when all of a sudden this, this report came out that PSG was targeting Luciano Acosta to where I think the universal answer uh, I got when I sent that tweet out to some buddies was what the, you can fill in the blank. Um, just a really weird situation where they're connected. Uh, this is according to the article uh, by an intermediary of the club, uh, who said that uh, PSG would go after Acosta for the fee that DC wanted. DC wanted 13 to 15 million. Uh, PSG said nine to about 11 million. There's a little bit of a gap between the two. Um, Luciano Acosta and his agent and the lawyer went to Paris uh, for a physical. And uh, they were there, and then the deal fell apart due to that distance. And according to the article, it says, you know, with Miguel Almiron's deal, that uh, DC United wanted more instead of, uh, you know, the $9 million that was offered. And it was a really surprising situation. I'm honestly really shocked by, you know, first off, DC not being able to agree to a fee for him because I, I think, if I remember correctly, his contract is expiring at, at the end of the year. So, I mean, if I'm Luciano Costa, I'm pretty pissed off that you guys can't negotiate a deal with one of the biggest uh, teams in the world. And it's just it's, – it's such a bizarre situation that I think this would have been a bigger deal than the Miguel Amarone deal because it really – you have PSG looking at a player like Luciano Costa, like that would really put the league on notice. Like, hey, people are paying attention to your talent. And it will, and, and according to rumors, Armand, he wasn't even uh, PSG wasn't even the only team, big club to be looking at him. Wasn't there Manchester? It was like, City? I think Man City, I think, from an initial yeah, report, and a couple other Premier League teams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's it's odd, and the fact that I mean, we we, we talked about this earlier about is this you know with the Miguel Magrón and Alfonso Davies transfer 
years is this the the point where mls can say we we, we send we can send kids to europe now for as much as we you know you can point at those two transfers you can look at this and say you know this is how screwed up mls is you know they they stopped an Acosta transfer over $1.5 million or whatever the, the difference was. I mean, it wasn't much for these billionaire owners, uh, obviously. And I think this, if, you know, for as much as those two were, hey, look at look at how great MLS is. This is a, one of those uh, potential transfers that can also, uh, people can point at and say, yeah, but this is what all, this is also what MLS can do to you as well. And uh, it, it, it's kind of a blemish a little bit on the league right now. Yeah, it's a bad look. I mean, the, the fact that he was in Paris, DC United holding it up, and I mean, they should have sold on him when the opportunity was high because his contract's running out and it's unlikely that he resigns. It's like, like it, I mean, I wouldn't resign if I was him. No, I mean, like, the likelihood is he's going overseas. The question is where. Maybe they can sell him in the in the window, the summer window, but uh, you know, the price has suddenly dropped because he's a free agent. And yeah, they ain't getting they ain't getting thirteen million for him. Nope. Yeah, there's there's no way. And I mean, it's MLS players are undervalued to begin with, so that value is going to skyrocket down. But and a final question I actually have for you guys, um, maybe it's a little too deep for a final question because I know we have a couple minutes left. But how do you feel? You know, we talk about MLS as a selling league. Okay, it's great and all, but the one thing I've noticed is fans are a little pissed off. Hey, your best player is going to be transferred in like one to two years. How do you think that's going to have an impact? Do you think fans need more edu- uh, education? Because you know they come from, like you know, they come from uh, different leagues and stuff like that. Uh, you know, the NBA, like that stuff. You know, you don't transfer your player to another country. You know, none, like none. It's not it's going to have zero effect. Zero, zero. I'm I'm fine with it. Go if Minnesota United's bringing in players that they can sell in two years. That means Minnesota United's doing something right. So go ahead, flip your players. I don't care. It, 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 Armand, the, the soccer education in America is only going to grow. These people are going to know what is happening when they show up at football stadiums or soccer stadiums. And it is a good step in the right direction. I mean, if you're in a small country in Europe and you're not in England or one of the big leagues, you hope your players move on, particularly if they're American. I think if they're American and they make that move, there's even more of an incentive, but we will see if more Americans can make the leap from MLS to, say, the Bundesliga or the Premiership, just like we saw with um, Adams, Tyler Adams of New York Red Bulls. Anyway, listeners, follow us on Twitter, Unc Sam Soccer Pod, at Armand Kafai, at Jake Wittroba, at Steven Jodderan. Come back tomorrow. We talk FC Cincinnati with Charlie Hatch. <laughs> Get a credit card that gives you what you need now, a low interest rate on everyday purchases, and a place to transfer high interest rate balances. The PenFed Gold Contactless Card is our lowest rate credit card. You can even earn a $100 statement credit when you spend $1,500 in the first 90 days. Join PenFed, and together we can help you keep more of what's yours. Visit PenFed.org slash gold card. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Regina King for Cadillac Escalade. Let's say you make it to the top. What's next? Relish in the glory of your accomplishments? Okay, sure, for a minute. But then you move forward. Take the 2021 Escalade. Cadillac's newest arrival is more than just a celebration of iconic luxury. It's the most technologically advanced Escalade ever. Because arriving is just the beginning. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving.